Welcome and thank you for joining me for another episode on the Cruise Corner podcast. I usually do not start episodes off by putting a disclaimer in. If I feel a disclaimer is needed, I will put it in the details for the episode. But for this one, I was going to go ahead and just say it so that people knew going into it that the nature of the content is pretty uh, tough for some people to hear. It is involving the Lavina Johnson case. If you're familiar with that, there's some pretty gruesome details with it and Kamisha Block. So I imagine that there's some details that could be triggering to some listeners. So please be advised, discretion advised, all that, proceed with caution. Uh, if you don't think you can listen to this, but you want to know about these stories, if you're not familiar with them, there's a lot of stuff still that you can find on the internet, Googling their names, their story is out there, even though it's not being talked about as often as they should be. Last episode, I covered a little bit about the Vanessa Guillen case, predominantly focused on the Asia Graham case because that was the one that just ended this June. And what I talked about in that episode was the levels at which the army failed these women. And this episode is going to go beyond that. It is not just what the army failed to do. It's when the army tries to cover stuff up. The first story I was going to talk about was Kamisha Blocks. And I apologize if I'm butchering her first name. But Kamisha Block was a specialist in the army. August 2007, her family is notified that she is killed. She had been deployed to Camp Liberty in Iraq. And when her family was notified, they told her that she had been killed in a friendly fire incident and that she had been shot in the chest one time. So at this time, the family isn't really suspicious. They don't think anything more than what they're being told is going on. Uh, they obviously want answers just to clarify what happened, understandably so, but mostly they're just heartbroken. This is the loss of a daughter, a sister, a loved one. So when Kamisha Block's body makes it back to the States, things change. When she arrived and her family was able to see her body for themselves, they found that she did not just have a single gunshot wound to her chest. She had been shot five times, including once to her head. It took the family six months to get information about what was later said to be a murder-suicide. With it being a murder-suicide, that means that obviously there was somebody else involved, the person that killed Block. This person would be Staff Sergeant Paul Brandon Norris. Norris, from my understanding, was going through a divorce. It may have been finalized by that point, but I don't think it was while they were deployed. Either way, the issue between the two is he was a staff sergeant. She was a specialist. That's a no-no in the Army. Lower enlisted soldiers do not, should not, are not supposed to be having romantic relationships with their NCOs. It happens. It's not supposed to, but that is what occurred in this. So it's a prohibited relationship. However, it wasn't 
a secret from what Kamisha Block's sister would find out because she would be the one that really began digging into this case to try to figure out what happened to her sister. So after she interviewed several soldiers from her sister's unit, she found that not only was the secret or the uh, the relationship wasn't a secret, but the toxic behaviors that were being displayed, some red flags, uh, those weren't a secret either. People were well aware that there was something going on. And some soldiers had even said that Kamisha had mentioned that she felt trapped and like she couldn't get away from this relationship. In regards to Staff Sergeant Norris, he was said to have a number of behavioral issues that were apparent on deployment. He was struggling to control his emotions. He was described as being hot-tempered, impulsive, and dangerous. And people felt that he should have at least had a mental health evaluation while he was over there, maybe even been sent home, but definitely should not have been walking around with a weapon. One of the soldiers that knew Kamisha Block had said that he was actually worried about her, but he didn't think that Staff Sergeant Norris would go to the point of actually killing her. So people knew something was up, but it wasn't dealt with. And the fact that the relationship wasn't a secret and they weren't, nothing was done to kind of keep them apart, that's an issue also. It sounds like the command was aware, like this wasn't like the junior listed or her peers that only knew. The command was aware and they had been talked to from my understanding, but it was still going on. So Kamisha Block's sister continues to dig, keeps asking other soldiers what they know, and she finds out from some that they were ordered to destroy paperwork within hours of this murder-suicide taking place. What was detailed in that paperwork, I don't know. I haven't found it yet. But again, this took place 2007. The case was reopened a little over a decade later, and... There's been a lot of discrepancies from what I can see, like statements change, people like the witness accounts, people's stories are kind of teetering a little bit. They're not always, they're not given the same story, but her sister, Kamisha Block's sister continues to be the one that's really doing the footwork on trying to figure out what happened with that whole situation, not just the murder-suicide taking place, but where the command failed and who basically like the stuff leading up to this, who failed on those levels. And one of Kamisha Block's friends that joined the military around the same time as her ended up traveling to Camp Liberty following her death to meet with the medics that had responded to the shooting. And one of the medics she talked to had claimed that she had had to cut the bulletproof vest from Kamisha to get to the gunshot wound. So this already raises some su suspicion for the friend that's talking to the medic because one, she's thinking, okay, if she had had a vest on, some of these wounds probably would not have occurred or bit as bad as what they ended up being. And two, she stated that she did it just to get to the wound, still talking about the one gunshot wound to the chest when it was apparent that she had 
multiple gunshot wounds. And so the story didn't line up with what she knew about Kamisha Block's body. So soldiers, after this death takes place, all they do is place her photo on a memorial wall that's at the base, and that was it. No mention after, they just moved on like it didn't happen, and they would end up losing other soldiers throughout that deployment, combat-related, and so what would happen is Kamisha Block's death would get lumped in to that number, so she just became a number and kind of got, her story got a little lost with that. I started looking into some 12 news interviews that took place, and one of them was with a guy that presented himself as being Staff Sergeant Norris's direct supervisor. And he was quoted as saying, two people did something illegal in the army and they have to live with the consequences. I don't really get what he means with that, with the whole, like, you got to live with the consequences considering the two people that he's saying did the illegal act both ended up dead. And what kind of bothers me about that is it's just like, well, you got what was coming to you. So they were having a romantic relationship. This shit happens all the time. So it's not like this is some rare case where it was like, you know, this just doesn't happen like this shit happens all the time and so to say it like you know the trash took itself out is what that sounds like or they were crap and they got what was coming to them and whatever but there's a lot more to that story especially the fact that her family wasn't even told the truth from the get-go so that already raise enough suspicions and then to kind of blow it off like it's not even that big of a deal that just puts a whole other level of bullshit across it but if you think kamisha Block's story is bad the next one things get even worse the second story i was going to cover involves lavina johnson and she was also in the army she was a private like block she was deployed to iraq and on july 19th 2005, Johnson was found dead in a contractor tent. The Army investigators classified her death as a suicide, and the cause of death was said to be a single gunshot wound to the head by an M16 rifle. That at least is the story that the Army gives her parents. So I can't imagine what shock they felt when their daughter when their daughter arrived home and They also found that she had a busted lip, broken nose, scratches, black eyes, broken teeth that were forced inwards like she'd been hit in the mouth. And some articles bring up that there were acid burns on her genitals as though they were trying to hide military sexual trauma. And other articles such as I found one by change.org that was talking about a second autopsy that was done, her body was exhumed. And in that autopsy, it talked about body parts having been removed and that she possibly had a broken neck, it sounds like. So the army in its initial investigation said that basically she didn't show signs of like any severe trauma besides the gunshot wound. 
But according to these, this other investigation, this other autopsy that took place, and based on what her family said when they saw her, she was beat up, like almost beyond recognition, just clear sign, clear as day, that it was not something she had done to herself. In some stories, it also mentions that she was covered in a flammable substance. This is where some of the details get jumbled when I research this, because some say that her body was lit on fire. Some say the cot she was on was lit on fire. And then others say it was the tent that was lit on fire. But the one article I found was that the fire was started by an aerosol can and that she had used this. This is what the army saying the story the army gave that she used this to burn some emails she had recently gotten from a boyfriend that had apparently just broke up with her so the army's using this as the motive for the suicide that she's distraught over this even though a commanding officer her commanding officer said that she seemed cheerful there had been no change in her behavior and her family had just heard from her within a day or two and she was talking about christmas and coming home and her plans which are usually things that people that have this thought of like, I'm going to end my life. They're not making plans, not future plans, stuff that's further out. And so again, there's a lot of articles about this, but they are, it's a confusing case to try to follow because their story, everybody has a story of their own about what happened to her because the armies just didn't seem to add up. And so, again, the army stating that she killed herself with an M16, and one article detailed that they said that it'd been a shot through the mouth. Others don't mention anything about it, just that she shot herself with an M16. Other articles, however, say that the wound was to the left side of her head, which suggested that she had been killed execution style. And if you start breaking down some of the details, they say it was the left side. She was right-handed. She was only 5'1", so her arms would have been too short to pull the trigger herself on an M16. However, if she had managed to do it, there was no residue on her hands, no gunpowder, nothing from like carbon or anything like that from firing the weapon. So again, it starts to show that there's some discrepancies. And the bullet hole that they were, they were saying was from an M16 appeared like it would have more likely been from a nine millimeter round, which would have been most likely a pistol used instead of the rifle. And there was no bullet, from my understanding, found at the scene of this crime. And the other article I found said that the M16 that had been found at the tent with her was it had the serial number 7095028, but that Lavina Johnson's M16 that was assigned to her was 7097069. So at some point she would have ended up with something that wasn't hers, which I don't, I mean, some people might think, oh, it's easy to like get your stuff mixed up. Uh, <laughs> based on my experience, even being deployed, like you carry your weapon with you everywhere. You always have it. If we left our room to like go shower or go to the gym or something like that, you locked it up in your room or wherever you were sleeping. We had a, like a little wall locker type thing that you could put it in. And other than that, 
weapons always on you and you go through tons of serial checks. Like you're always going through uh, formations where everybody has to basically account for their stuff. And again, you're carrying your stuff all the time. So you're always touching this weapon. And the other thing that was mentioned in this article was that her fingerprints were not on this M16. And so from the sound of it, it's like somebody tried to stage a suicide. So again, the case is confusing, but I mean, if you put all the details that are floating around the internet together and what the family's saying, it is pretty obvious that it is not a suicide, that it's a cover-up. From my understanding as well, this case, there's a lot of information around it that has been sealed, kept away by the Pentagon. And anytime anything tries to get opened up about it, they the army's quick to push back to make sure the case doesn't really get talked about. And the chief of public affairs for the Criminal Investigation Command, he stood by the army's findings that Johnson's death was ruled a suicide and that he believed the investigation took the time that it needed, that it happened fast enough, and that it was thorough. And if there were any discrepancies that were found, if there was any credible information that surfaced to say otherwise, that that case would immediately be reopened. And then he was later uh, said to have said, said to have said, later stated that uh, the facts that are circulating on the internet, so a lot of the stuff I'm, I'm saying right now <laughs> is not true or it hasn't been proven by evidence. There have been petitions to Congress. There was a documentary film and there was a, uh, an investigation by the Cold Case Investigative Research in Institute of Philadelphia that looked into this. And all of them have fallen short of the suicide claim being withdrawn, getting this case turned over to say that it was not a suicide. And when I got to the change.org article that would talked about Lavina Johnson, they started talking about how uh, many of the news outlets have refused to cover this story. And that even the Johnson family had said that 60 Minutes had paid to have her body uh, exhumed for the second autopsy. But then like nothing comes of it. There's no big stories. And in that uh, CBS and ABC had spent thousands of dollars sending teams to talk to the Johnsons, sending people to their home. And there was still nothing, which led the Johnson family to believe that the, Pen the Pentagon's involved, that they're kind of uh, putting the chokehold on some of these uh, media companies because one of the magazines that runs military ads and they really depend on the money they receive to run those ads were threatened to have that financial uh, support basically that they get for the advertisement pulled if they ran the story. So they ended up having to run a really watered down version. And so from what I've seen as of 2016, there was some speculation as to who the suspect was in this case, but there's a lot of discrepancies with it. So it's hard to say what, what's factual, uh, what had legitimate proof, what isn't just finger pointing, and really 
it's hard to tell if the Pentagon, if the army, if they're pushing back this much to keep this story of suicide at the forefront, to keep that story as the main story, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise if details have been changed to make sure that story is kept, that anything that popped up, that they have a story for it or the individual. So the story that is circulating and began as of 2016 was started by a Donald Watkins, who is an attorney. I don't know if he is the Johnson family attorney, but he started talking about how uh, Johnson had a notepad on her, that it had a name in it, and the name was Kevin Burns, who at the time was a four-star general, and all this stuff. And so a lot of people started looking at that going, okay, so you're calling out a TRADOC commander who, according to the timelines that are available, shouldn't have even been in Iraq at the time. And that uh, really, how would a private end up alone around a four-star general? And so, again, a lot of discrepancies in the stories that are being circulated around the internet. It's hard to say what's true, what's not, because so much effort has been put into hiding the story and really just pushing that suicide narrative. And a lot of people look to the fact that Burns had been fired almost, it was within like weeks of Lavina Johnson's death. And so you have people like the founder of the Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington, who published a story saying that it was suspicious that he was fired for, uh, basically the story was it was adultery and that he had been told by the army's chief of staff to knock it out, he didn't. So he got this whole thing for violating a lawful order from a superior officer and for the adultery itself. And she was saying that, the army is not going to just fire a four-star general with a 36-year career uh, months before his retirement over something like an affair or just not listening to the army's chief of staff because somebody at that point has buddies up in Washington to help him out. And so it's hard to say there's a lot of answers that are still being looked for in her case, a lot of stuff being covered up, obviously. And so it's just another example of how things like military sexual trauma and violence against uh, service members, stuff like that, how, like in this case, how the army handles it at times and how it's covering reputations. It's all about protecting the people at the top. It's about making sure that it doesn't tarnish its name or its reputation, even though plenty of people know that stuff's going on. And so it's just cases like this are heartbreaking. And unfortunately, they're not as uncommon, I think, as people think that they are. But now moving aside from the cases themselves, I want to talk about these two women. Kamisha Block was 20 years old. She was from Texas. She had served with the 401st Military Police Company. Lavina Johnson was only 19. She was days away from being 20 herself. She had only graduated high school a year prior. She was from Missouri, 
And her father said that she had played the violin. She was an honor roll student, wanted to be a movie producer one day, and that she had followed in his footsteps to join the army to be able to go to college and pay her way through. That was what she wanted to do. She had plans. They both had futures. Kamisha was said to be loving, easygoing. Her sister said she loved her country, did everything, and gave her life for it. Both of these women did, essentially. After her death, Lavina Johnson would be promoted to a private first class. Her family still seeking answers. As far as I know, Kamisha Block's sister is still seeking answers and helping other families that have had issues with the army, trying to cover stuff up from the sound of it. If you would like to know more about Lavina Johnson's story, uh, there is a film, it's a documentary on, I know Amazon Prime has it. It's by Midtown Film. And it's called Lavina Johnson, The Silent Truth. It's about 55 minutes long, came out back in 2014. I know some people that hear these cases, they hear, you know, they take what people like the public affairs chief said, where it's like everything circulating is false. They think families are just in denial. Uh, they think that they just don't want to accept what happened. And sometimes there is a level of truth to that. There is denial around it. But when you look at Lavina Johnson's family, it went beyond them just being in denial. These people truly believed something happened to their little girl. I mean, they exhumed her body to have an autopsy of their own done. You don't put yourself through that as a parent unless you really truly believe in your gut that something was missed, that something's wrong, that something's suspicious. And so again, the reason why I'm doing these cases isn't to just put army on blast. It's not to create issues for myself, that's for damn sure. But these people cannot be forgotten. These cases can't be forgotten, especially the fact that there hasn't been the closure that's needed, especially for these families. People are still trying to get answers, still, still trying to figure out what the hell happened. And if we stop talking about it, it just fades away. And then whoever was being protected, for whatever reason, this stuff was getting covered up. Nobody ever knows. Nobody finds out the truth, and it just gets buried along with these poor souls. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.